a couple of weeks ago when uh, Christian was here, uh, he gave us a message. He brought us a message where he shared his vision for Renaissance Church being a church where people could come and see Jesus. And it was so exciting as he was sharing that because that fits so well with the mission that Renaissance has had really since its beginning uh, of being a place where people could bring their friends, they could bring their neighbors, they could bring their relatives, and people could come and see Jesus, get to know him, and develop a, a life-giving, a life-saving relationship with Jesus. And last week we talked about uh, how one of the ways that we can, as a congregation, as a church, can actually make that a reality is by loving each other. We looked at a passage in the Gospel of John where uh, Jesus uh, washed his disciples' feet, and then he looked at them and he said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And he's talking about serving one another. He's talking about showing each other practical love. He's talking about sacrificing for one another. He's talking about meeting one another's needs. And then Jesus went on in the Gospel of John to say to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that he give up his life for his friends. And the next day Jesus was crucified and he gave up his life for his disciples. He gave up his life for us because he loved us. And that's the Jesus whom we're excited about bringing our friends and our neighbors, our relatives, our loved ones, the people we care about, we're excited about bringing them to see that Jesus. And when we love one another, when we treat one another the way that Jesus treats us, when we serve one another the way that Jesus serves us, people will notice, and we talked about that last week, people will see that in us, and they're going to effectively see Jesus in our relationships with one another, and they're going to be drawn to him. And what I want to do this morning is start from there and move forward to focus on serving one another. And the Apostle Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples who was there that night, and Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He washed Peter's feet, even though Peter wasn't terribly excited about it at the time. But when he realized what Jesus was doing, he got very excited about it because he realized that Jesus was showing his love for Peter. He was serving him in that way. So Peter's there that night, and about 30 years later, Peter wrote a letter to Christians who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And right in the middle of that letter, he picks up on this theme of loving one another, of Jesus' command that we as his followers should love each other. And he picks up on that, and he expands on it, and he takes it some steps further. And I want to take a look at that. Starting in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Peter writes, he says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so Peter starts off with this echo of Jesus' command to love each other, to love one another. And then he moves on to apply it by telling us that one of the ways in which we can love each other is by using the gifts that God has given us to serve each other. God has given each of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, God has given you one or more gifts and talents and abilities. He's given us these gifts in part and especially so that we can serve one another. And as we do that, we're showing his love to one another, and we're actually demonstrating his love to the people around us as they observe us serving one another. 
And when we do that, not only do the people we're serving benefit, but we also get to enjoy being part of God's plan to redeem this broken world. And there is no higher privilege that we can have than partnering with God in his cosmic rescue plan, in his cosmic plan of redemption to restore this world to the way that he intended it to be and to restore the people around us to a right relationship with their creator. And knowing how God has gifted us, knowing the talents, knowing the abilities that he has given us is, is the beginning. It's the foundation of understanding how he wants to use us in the lives of the people around us. So this morning, I want to ask three questions. I actually want to give you three questions to ask yourself to help discover how God has made you, how he's created you, how he's wired you to see the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he has given you. And they're fairly obvious questions. There's nothing incredibly deep or profound in these, but I find it helpful for myself and other people I've talked to have found it helpful for themselves to take some time and just reflect and ask ourselves these questions so that we can discover or remind ourselves how God has wired us and how he's created us. So the first question is, what do you do well? What do you do really well? What's your, as some people would put it, what's your superpower, if you want to put it that way? Peter gives us a few examples of things that people, some people do well. Verse 9, he says, offer hospitality to one another. Some people are incredibly good at showing hospitality. You love to open your home and have other people in. Maybe it's for a meal. Maybe it's for a game night. Maybe you enjoy throwing a really big party. Maybe you're an incredible cook and you love sharing that with other people. Maybe you're not so great at cooking, but you know a great caterer who you can have come and bring people into your house, and you're showing hospitality in that particular way. Or maybe you're the person that knows the absolute best restaurant to invite people to go to so they can have a great meal, the exact kind of meal that is conducive to developing relationship with them. I know some people like that, and I really enjoy it when they share that gift, that talent with me. I'm not great at picking restaurants, but other people are. I don't know how the gift of hospitality, if you have it, will work itself out in your life, but there are so many different ways in which it can work itself out. Peter continues on in verse 11. He gives a couple of other examples. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so with the strength, with the, with the uh, speak with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Christian's a gifted speaker. That's why we've asked him to be our lead pastor. But the gift of speaking isn't always necessarily used in a public context. Some people who have the gift of speaking are going to be able to speak in a more private context. Maybe you know just the right thing to say to encourage somebody who's been really discouraged. Maybe you know something, a way to say something to someone. You just know how to comfort them when they're having a really difficult time. Or maybe you're the kind of person who speaks into people's lives by giving constructive criticism, and they're actually eager to receive that constructive criticism because they know that your heart is to see them grow. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them and you've got their best interests in heart. And so you exercise your gift of speaking, not so much in a public context, but in a more private context. 
Maybe you know just the right way to make fe people feel welcome when they walk into Renaissance Church, and that's why you serve as a greeter uh, in our church. Let's go beyond the examples uh, that Peter gives. Some of you are incredibly creative in ways that I am nowhere gifted. You're an incredible musician. You're a great artist. Maybe your creativity expresses itself in a very different way. You're able to, to cut through all the mess of data and details and hone in on exactly what it takes to get that particular deal done in your line of work. Maybe it's a sale that you want to make. Maybe you're bringing two other companies together in order to create a merger, and you're doing it in an incredibly creative way. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you teach in, in a public school. Maybe you teach here at Renaissance. Maybe you're teaching your kids. I don't know how you'd be particularly using your gift of teaching, but I know that there are a lot of people out here who have the gift of teaching. Others are born leaders. Wherever you are, you just can't help it. People follow you. They want to follow you. They look to you to help them to know the direction that they should go. Maybe you've got that gift of leadership. We could go on and on and on with different gifts and talents and abilities, but the question that each of us needs to ask ourselves is, what do I do well? And that's the beginning of understanding how God has gifted us. Now, ask yourself this next question. What are you passionate about? What are you really passionate about? And I chose that word passionate because I think we need to go beyond the concept of enjoyment. For example, you might enjoy watching sports, but you're passionate about helping needy people. You might like listening to music, but you get fired up about organizing a group of people to accomplish a task. When you see what you're passionate about, not just what you need to do, but what you absolutely have to do, you just can't go a week without doing something. That may be an indication that God has gifted you in that way because our passions so often overlap with the way that God has, gift, has gifted us. When we get to do what God has designed us to do, we get incredibly excited. We get passionate and we find real fulfillment because we are doing what God has created us to do. Now, some people, some people kind of object to this concept of enjoying or being passionate about serving other people, about being gifted in various ways. Some people think that it's actually wrong to enjoy serving other people, and that in fact, if we do acts of service that we enjoy, that somehow diminishes the benefit of doing that particular act. Some Christians actually say that, and I've, I've even heard a couple of pastors say that. I don't think that comes from the Bible. It actually comes from a philosopher named Immanuel Kant, and Kant is incredibly sharp, incredibly smart, knows an awful lot, but I think he missed the boat on this one. Because if God has designed you to be creative, why shouldn't you enjoy being creative? If God has designed you to be compassionate, why shouldn't you find some fulfillment in that compassion? Just because you enjoy doing something 
doesn't mean that it's not virtuous. In fact, it's an indication that God has actually gifted you in that particular way. Peter says in verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He doesn't say offer hospitality to one another and don't enjoy it. He says offer hospitality to one another and enjoy it. So if you enjoy having people to your house, it's probably an indication that God has gifted you in that way. The Apostle Paul says something similar when he talks about giving. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Some of you have the gift of giving. Maybe it's financially. God has given you, you the ability to, to earn money, and you enjoy giving money to help other people. I have a close friend who has that gift, and he loves he enjoys, he's passionate about looking for needs that he can meet with the financial resources that God has given to him. Doing what God has made us to do, using the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us is incredibly enjoyable. It's unbelievably fulfilling, and that includes serving other people. So ask yourself, what do I do well? What am I passionate about? And then ask yourself, how has God used you? How have you seen God use you in the lives of the people around you? What has God done through you to help, to serve, to bless, to benefit, to encourage, to strengthen, to teach, to lead, and on and on? How has God worked through you in the lives of other people. And don't hesitate to ask other people for help on that particular one. Ask somebody who's close to you. Ask the people who know you. How have you seen God use me in your life or the lives of the people around us? Or you could just say to them, what do you think my gifts are? What do you think my talents are? What do you think my abilities are? I want you to be honest with me. And that's really important because so often we are so self-unaware. So often, we feel like we are really good at something, and the people around us say, no, you absolutely aren't, but you're really good at this, and I think God has gifted you in this particular way. So ask other people, because God can use them to help you to discover how he has gifted you. When we were looking for a, a new lead pastor, we spent you know, almost 18 months, we spent about 15, 16 months looking for a new lead pastor. We saw hundreds of resumes. We got tons of cover letters. And person after person after person said, I believe that God has gifted me to be your new lead pastor. I believe that God has gifted me to be the pastor whom you need. One guy actually sent us a highlight reel of the best clips from all of the sermons that he had preached throughout his ministry. And we found that to be extremely helpful in discovering that he was not the guy whom God was calling to be our senior pastor. You know, our focus group watched dozens and dozens of messages, and they were able to give the search team and the elders feedback on the messages that they, that they watched. And it was so, it was just really exciting to watch as they interacted, as they saw these messages, as they considered, 
is this particular person the one whom God might have to be our senior pastor? And most of the time, when we got the feedback from them, it was unanimous. This guy may be a good preacher for another church. This guy is a really good speaker, but he's not going to fit with our church. The particular gifts, the particular talents, the particular abilities that he has don't fit with our particular needs. And other times, they were mixed. Some people thought that he would fit. Other people thought that he wouldn't. In fact, of all of the messages that we showed to our focus group, there was only one speaker, there was only one pastor about whom the focus group was unanimous, and he's going to be preaching, he's going to be bringing his first message next Sunday, and I hope you'll come back to hear Christian as he speaks. God has gifted Christian with the gift of preaching, with the gift of speaking, with the gift of transmitting what God has to say into our lives and helping us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. God has given him that gift, and we got confirmation of that, not only because everybody on the search team, everybody in the focus group, all the elders and other people who heard him speak here at Renaissance said, yeah, we think this guy has the gift of preaching, but we talked to people at his previous church, Park Church, uh, down in, in Red Bank, and they said to us, we believe that God has given Christian the gift of preaching, and here's why. And they talked about how God had used him in their lives, and that was confirmation that God had gifted Christian in that particular way. I'm gifted in other areas. I do enjoy preaching. God has given me some ability in that, but he's gifted me in other ways, which is why I'm so excited to be able to do the Project 2.0 coming up in September. And then we're going to be uh, doing the original project for those of you who haven't had the chance to do that. We're going to be doing that in October. It's, it's a time when we get together, highly interactive, conversation-oriented way of exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus, really taking a look throughout all of the scriptures and seeing what God has done to bring people to faith in himself. But I'm excited to see God use Christian in the coming years here at Renaissance. I'm excited to be able to use my gifts in the coming years here at Renaissance. I'm excited to be able to see you guys use your gifts here at Renaissance and wherever he places you to bring glory to himself, to bring benefit to other people. And when we get to use our gifts and our talents and abilities, there isn't much that is more exciting than seeing God use us in the lives of the people around us. So what do we do when we see a need and it's not something that we feel like we're particularly gifted to meet? Or we see a need and we look at that and say, there is no way that I want to serve in that particular way, but you feel like there's a need and you're feeling drawn to it in that situation. A lot of people here are parents, and I have never met any parent who, when their children were young, woke up in the morning and said, thank you, Lord, that I get to change dirty diapers today. I don't know anybody who has the gift of changing dirty diapers. But every parent, every parent who loves his or her child changes diaper after diaper after diaper. Not because the changing of the diapers in and of itself is enjoyable. Not because it's something that we seek out. Not because it's something that we're particularly gifted at doing. 
We do it because we love our children. And so when we see a need that we may not be particularly gifted to meet, when we see a need that we might not otherwise want to meet because of the particular actions that are involved, but when we see that need and we love the person who has that need and our hearts are drawn to that, we meet that need, we serve other people, not because the act in and of itself is enjoyable, but because we love them, we care about them, and we want to be used by God in their lives. That's why Peter starts off by telling us to love each other, and then he moves on to serving each other. That's why in the Gospel of John, John says first, Jesus loved his disciples, and then he moves on to talk about them washing his feet, washing their feet. His love for them motivated him to wash their feet. It's not like he said, oh boy, I get to wash their feet, it's so fun. No, he did that because he knew that they had a need and he wanted to meet that need. And then the next day when he went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross because he was some sort of a masochist who enjoyed the pain and suffering that he was going to go through on the cross. He went to the cross because he knew that was the only way to meet their deepest need, to meet our deepest need. And that's to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father, to the creator of the universe, to the one who loves us so much that he was willing to give his son, to the son who loves us so much that he was willing to die for us. So did Jesus wash the disciples' feet because he enjoyed it? Did he go to the cross because it was fun? No, he did it because we had a need and because he loved us. And the way to meet that need was to wash their feet or to go, on the, go to the cross and die for us. So sometimes we serve people not because we're specifically gifted or because that particular act of service in and of itself is fulfilling, but simply because we love the people whom we're serving. And then there are those situations that we find ourselves in where we look and we say, I want to serve. I might want to serve there, but that is so far beyond my ability. God, not only has God not gifted me in that, in fact, I think I'm, I'm probably ungifted if that's a particular way to do that. You know, there's this great conversation in the Old Testament between God and Moses. God appears to Moses and he says to him, I want to use you to lead my people, to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and you're the man whom I have chosen. Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, responds. He's, Moses says to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. He's basically saying, I, I don't have the gift to speak in God. They're not going to listen to me, right? The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? And who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I'll teach you what to say. But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. You got to love that. God says, Moses, I got this one, right? I made your mouth. I got this. You just open it. Everything's going to be fine. And he says, Ex uh, excuse me, um, Lord, um, how about somebody else? I'm not gifted in this way. In fact, I'm pretty ungifted in this particular way. So to, to make the long story short, God says, fine, fine, Moses. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you your brother, Aaron. 
He's a good speaker. I'm going to tell you what I want you to say. You tell Aaron, and then Aaron will talk to the Israelites, and Aaron will talk to the Egyptians, and he'll tell them on your behalf what I want you to say. Now, if you ever have read through the book of Exodus and you see what happens, who does all of the talking after that? It's not Aaron, it's Moses, right? So Moses says, Lord, I'm not gifted in this way. Would you please send somebody else? How about my brother Aaron? And God says, sure, we'll send your brother Aaron. And then God actually does enable Moses to do the speaking that Moses needed to do. And God can work in the same way in our lives. When there is a need, when God wants us to do something, he equips us to do whatever it is that he wants us to do. To do. Peter says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. They should serve with the strength that God provides. God not only gifts us, he gives us the strength to develop our gifts, to exercise our gifts, and he gives us the strength in areas where sometimes we're not particularly gifted. God always equips us to do what he calls us to do. And what that means is that God always deserves the glory. My gifts are gifts. Your gifts are gifts. We didn't earn our gifts. And even the strength that we have to work hard, to develop our gifts. Even that strength comes from God so that when we're serving other people, when we're exercising our gifts, we can never forget that these gifts, these talents, these abilities come from God. And he deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. He deserves the credit for anything that he accomplishes through us. We get to enjoy doing it but God gets the glory. When we get to do what God has gifted us to do, when God equips us to do things that we never thought we could do, like Moses speaking to the Egyptians, when God, when God enables us to love the people around us, with the kind of love with which he loves us, when he enables us to love people who would not otherwise look loving to us, when God enables us to love people, to serve people, what we're doing is partnering with him in his plan to change the world, in his plan to redeem and to restore this broken world. We get to partner with him in changing people's lives. And there are few things that are more fulfilling with, than that. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Paul Tripp. He puts it this way. He says, embedded in the larger story of redemption is a principle we must not miss. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. And when God does those extraordinary acts, often through ordinary acts of love and service. When God does those extraordinary things in our lives, through us, the people around us are going to notice. 
and they're going to see Jesus in us and in our relationships, and they're going to be drawn to him, and God is going to get the glory, and they're going to be blessed, and we're going to have an incredible time partnering with him in what he's doing to change this world. And that's what we're about here at Renaissance. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the gifts that you have given me. I thank you for the gifts that you have given Christian. I thank you for the gifts that you have given each of us who are here uh, this morning. And Father, I, I thank you for the love that you have shown us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way in which you served us, which you, where you poured out your life to meet our deepest need. And I pray for each of us that our love for one another would grow, that our love for you would grow, that our desire to serve you by serving other people would grow. I pray that you would equip us to do what you have called us to do. And I pray that as we do that, as we love one another, as we serve one another, you would work through us in each other's lives to bring blessing to one another, to be a testimony to the people around us of your grace and of your love, of your, of your amazing power in our lives. And I pray as well that we would enjoy it, that we'd find fulfillment in, in being the people whom you created us to be. And I pray ultimately that you would receive the glory because you're the one who created us. You're the one who has gifted us. You're the one who loves us and who has redeemed us. And so we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for coming out this morning and uh, love to meet you afterwards. Come out and say hi. Have a great week.